0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 507 of the Dressage Radio Show. This is Coach Jen, Chaos Control Officer at Horse Radio Network. Reese and Phil will be back again next week with more fun and informative content for dressage enthusiasts at every level. But this week, enjoy a look back at the Through the Levels from the Judges Perspective series that Reese and Phil did back in 2016. This time, it's going to be Introductory Through First Levels.
2: Well, for this week's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we have our first installment of our How to Improve uh, Your Dressage Test at Every Level. Uh, we have Judge Jennifer Roth on, and she's going to talk to us about intro and training level. Well, this evening, to start off our wonderful new segment of going through the levels from a judge's perspective. We have Jennifer R. Roth, smart R. Judge from Ohio. She's also a very well-respected FEI rider and trainer. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you so much for
3: having me, guys. Good to talk to you this evening.
2: Well, we are excited because um, we were chatting just a minute off air, and um, Philip said there in Canada, you guys don't even have intro level
4: yeah we have uh we have a a couple of walk trot tests um we were just all saying also i just pulled my book in from the car and so i was just sort of (laughs) going through it and uh and fortunately i don't i don't have any walk trot riders this year so um i was just saying that yeah we don't we didn't adopt the intro test so i was saying to reese the other day oh well intro doesn't have canner does it and i guess well this yes. is this is good. Yes. I need yes. this segment. I need this segment, yes. right? So <laughs> it's gonna be perfect for everyone.
2: Exactly. Well, Jennifer, we are so excited to have you because clearly Philip and I are not judges by any means. <laughs> um and we would love to just kind of get started and uh, you know, talk about the purpose of the level, some of the th- common things that you see that are an issue, and we're gonna start with the intro level. So take it away.
3: All right, perfect. Well, I will have to say intro is one of my favorite levels from a judging perspective because it's a place where you can be super encouraging and, you know, it always seems like the person who gets a high percentage of the show is at intro. Um, So I like to have, you know, a, a good impact on horses and riders in this place. So the whole, you know, and looking at the purpose of the level of intro, you know, it's basically to introduce the horse or the rider. Uh, to the sport of dressage. So it's an, a common place that you see people just wetting, you know, wetting their whistles and dressage. You know, maybe they're coming from a seat background, maybe they're coming from a Western background, or they're just starting riding in general. And this is their first attempt um, at doing dressage. So it's a great place, an encouraging place for them to be. Or you see the horses that are new to dressage. Maybe it's a good place for a trainer with a young horse to just get it in the ring, get it some good experience, some positive show miles. Um, So it's a great place for both horses and riders new to the sport uh, to to get in the ring for the first time. And basically it's to show an understanding of riding the horse forward with a steady tempo, you know, making sure it's not speeding up, slowing down, going, you know, fractiously around the ring, Um, a nice steady tempo into elastic contact, and that the rider has independent and steady hands and a correct and balanced seat you know, it's to show proper geometry. It's the first time, of course, that we see a 20 meter circle or a center line or a diagonal, you know, you're learning where the letters are, you know, basically trying to get from point A to point B in one one piece um, and to show, you know, correct bend in corners and in circles. So again, it's just a great place to start out. And I love giving big scores an intro. If people are showing that they're on the right Right direction for how to bend their horse, what forward really is, not just running out of control around the ring, and it's also not crawling around the ring either. Um, you know, doing good transitions. You know, this is a place, you know, they insist that you do walk into the halt for your salute. Um, and that's to teach the rider not to just slam on the brakes and pull backwards, that you have to think forward into downward transitions. All the transitions are between letters, so you have plenty of time you know, to get yourself set up, to organize, to, you know, take your time in the transition. And they're just nice, symmetrical, balanced, easy, relaxed tests um, that, you know, like I said, introduce you to some circles, some changes of direction, some walks, you know, what is free walk. And then with Intro C, we have just a touch of canter. So the canter transition, you know, you do a 20-meter circle, you canter on the first quarter of the circle, and then you're trotting again before you finish the circle. So it's a great place if your horse gets anxious about going up alongside or if you have a rider that gets anxious about cantering up alongside. You know, you're cantering and then trotting in right on a curve. So it gives people and their animals a sense of control, um, even if there might not really be any, but it's a nice illusion um, to, to be able to get them into and out of the canter. You know, when the things that I see go wrong probably the most Um, for intro is the bending situation. You know, most of the time I see more beginner riders probably in this level than I do, you know, more advanced riders bringing a younger horse in. Um, So it's more the beginner riders that don't maybe yet have a clear concept of what bending to the inside is. They're generally, you know, making a turn or making a circle by pulling their horse with the outside rein onto the circle instead of, keeping the horse's nose looking in the direction of travel and using the leg to push them onto the appropriate, you know, bend for the circle or the corner. Um, the other thing that I very much see are geometry problems. You know, if you look at the back of an intro test, um, their collective marks are broken up a little bit differently than, than other levels. Um, they actually have a box specifically for geometry and accuracy, you know, correct oh, wow. size and shape of circles and turn. Um, I didn't know that. So it, yeah, so it, it's, you know, <laughs> you it, it lot, has eh? specific
2: I know. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> looking at my test book, too. I'm Like, really? That's awesome. Really? There's, <laughs> there's
3: a place just for geometry and accuracy. So it gives us as judges a good way to really isolate and point out to the rider, you know, where their strengths and where their weaknesses were. You know, it has, you know, it's a rider's position. You know, maybe they sit beautifully, but their geometry was not really all there today. So we can tell them you're sitting great. You're in balance. But you know what, your circles were a little bit the wrong size or you need to be better bending on your turns or, you know, something like that. So it gives us, you know, a better opportunity to kind of direct them where we want them to go. Um, So accuracy is another big one. You know, they're not quite sure where or how big a 20-meter circle is. And I really see that issue when you can tell people are used to maybe riding in the smaller ring versus the larger ring. Even though the smaller ring is still 20 meters wide, the distance between the letters, you know, has varied. In a small ring, the distance from, like, K to E is 14 meters, where the distance in the large ring, the letters are 12 meters apart. So people haven't really, like, looked at the math of it and really figured it out. But, again, they kind of get in the general direction. You're bending sort of the right way. You're in balance. You kind of got from point A to point B. Good for you, cheerleader well done you know and yeah, we, we yeah. Really Jen, want Jen people- i just wanted
4: to bring up a quick thing is that uh you you made a really good point and i'm really glad you say it is that judges in general want to give really good marks don't they i
0: Absolutely. think people have the
4: perception you know sometimes when they go in the ring or when they get their test back that that the judges somehow enjoy being critical or you know want are afraid to give great marks but i think uh, when you sit down and you talk to most judges and this is great that we're we're going to bring a few on to the show in the next few weeks is that they're all sort of positive people um, that that get excited about giving good marks and want to see, you know, high marks on the scoreboards when 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 you end up, you know, at the end of the day sort of thing.
3: Absolutely. You know, I'm always looking to, you know, give that 80% and I want to do it. Um, and, and what I try to explain to my clientele, when they get the judge's marks back and they're reading their test, it does seem like everything in the boxes and the remark boxes is negative. And what I have to remind people is it's not that the judge is being negative, but when we're educated as judges in this country, we are taught to explain to the rider why the mark wasn't an 8, 9, or a 10. Why did we remove 40% of your, your score and give you a 6? Why, you know, we can't say good in the box when good is an eight. We have to say, you know, good effort but lacks a little bit of bend, you know, and that's why you yeah, only got a I mean, a seven. Yeah, like you said, so it's more of an explanation
4: negative. than a, than a yeah, critique exactly. or something that you should take yes. personal, you know.
3: Personally, yeah. yeah. It's not that we didn't like your saddle pad or, you know, your your coat was, you know, ill-fitting. We don't really care about that. But we want, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you spent a lot of money, to get into that ring you spend a lot of time and effort and heartache you know to get there and we want you to get the most at least I want you to get the most out of your time in there so I want to provide a comment for every box so I want to explain to you and give you helpful pointers to be able to go home and make it better and and have an even better experience the next time but yeah I love giving to explorers if I can I don't often enough get to do it but I really want to
2: yeah no, and I think that's good. And you, you briefly brought up the collective marks for intro. And I think mm-hmm. you yeah. talked about the geometry, which is, but mm-hmm. also the gates are not a times two, which I thought was interesting, and nor is the impulsion. That's different, right? As you get into the, into training level and above, correct? But
3: um, I have my, all my tests right in front
2: of me. I know. So I pulled I the book out because I thought I hadn't, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that those actually submission is a well, double score. <laughs>
3: So. Yeah, and, uh, well, because, you know, submission is the thing that we want to focus the most on, I guess, in intro. Mm-hmm. That's why it's weighted twice. Um, yeah. But because, you know, again, rhythm and relaxation are the things that we look for as, uh, you know, the basis of, of our training skill. So we want to see that submissive, relaxed, you know, horse coming in the ring, enjoying its job with a relaxed, confident rider as well. And yeah, in talking so many- about the gate score, go ahead, I'm sorry.
4: No, sorry. I was just going to say that um, maybe in a, in a moment after this thought, you could explain submission, because I think sure. it can get it can get confusing. You know, at the different different levels where you know in intro submission doesn't necessarily mean nose on the ground or nose to the chest. And I think people get sort of no. super focused on that issue and in, really in yeah, not- test when it's not really that important.
3: No, it's not. And, you know, and there's been some talk about actually changing the word submission on the tests themselves. Because anytime I go to, like, a USDF conference or a judging thing, you know, they really do want to change the word submission. Because it kind of gives the wrong impression. It kind of gives a breaking of the will sort of feel to the word. You know, it's like submitting under a, a heavy hand or a greater power. And it's not really what submission about. It's about, you know, the horse willing and wanting to work for the rider and doing so with a quiet mind and a quiet body. So, you know, there's, like I said, been some talk about finding a different word or a different phrase that better encapsulates that idea versus, you know, cranking head down and making it do it against its will. Cause that's not the point. That's not why we do this. Right. You know, maybe some, yeah. but not, not the majority of us.
2: <laughs> no, we, we try not to <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> we try to avoid that.
2: Absolutely. And I think, it, it talk to us about the horse sort of being on the bit at intro level. I think this is also very confusing. So can you tell us a little bit about what you think about that with the horse being
3: on the bit? Sure. And actually, that's a very interesting thing because in all of our education thing, we're actually not allowed to talk about a horse being on the bit until we get to first level. Um, it's not a requirement. If you look at the purpose of the test, it's not a requirement. Now, are you going to get a better score? If your horse is accepting the contact with its nose slightly in front of the vertical, you know, it's at least in level balance, maybe even the pole the highest point, sure, that's going to get you a better score. But is it absolutely a requirement? No. So, I mean, it does have to be in level balance. We don't want to see horses going around, you know, with their poles really low and them being downhill because, again, we're wanting to develop horses and riders that move up the level. Um, So we want to, very early on, instill that idea that it has to, you know, move freely forward and in level balance, all that other stuff. Um, But it's just generally, you know, going out softly and elastically, accepting, you know, a little bit of contact with the bit. But, again, it's not a requirement that it's nose beyond the vertical or slightly in front of the vertical. Um, You can still do quite well, and I've had many clients do quite well, with their horses as long as they're steady in the hands, And they're going out to the bridle and they're moving forward and they're bending the correct direction. Win intro all day long, you know? So, and that's, again, we're trying to instill basics that will carry on through the rest of the levels, not people trying to teach people to seesaw their horses faces to drag their noses in because they think that's what the judges want to see. We don't, we don't want to see that force behind it, you know? So we'd rather see a soft, elastic, forward, relaxed, correctly bent ride than a nose cranked in, something horse unhappy sort of situation. Does that answer that's, the question?
2: Yeah, no, that's yeah, fantastic. Absolutely.
4: Yeah, that's a great thing. No,
2: that's really good. Well, everybody, are we ready to sort of move on to training level? We're moving on the levels. the levels. Yeah, I
4: think, that's I think fine ready yeah, for it.
2: So Jennifer, talk to us. So now we're changing gears. We're up up the next rung. Uh, so okay. what's the purpose of training level?
3: Okay, so the purpose of training level is to and this is something, again, they changed the test a couple years, you know, what, 2015, and um, they revamped the purposes of the test, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, so they added in the whole idea, the purpose of training level two is to confirm that the horse demonstrates correct basics. Now, that's new, and I think that's a very good distinction to make, um, that the horse is supple and moves freely forward in a clear rhythm with a steady tempo, accepting contact with the bed. So again, it's that idea that, you know, correct basics of thinking rhythm, relaxation, bending, stretching to the hand, you know, being eager to going and finding the contact with a relaxed mind and body, you know, again, you know, just a horse that you can see it is receptive to, you know, coming in, doing its job, you know, happy to help the rider, you know, going around the ring in a, in a clear and steady contact and, being all squishy and happy. So what squishy lab- is not a real dressage term. Don't quote me. On that, but <laughs> right,
4: squishy and happy.
2: We like
3: it.
4: So, what are the, what are yeah. some of the requirements, movement wise, and, and now we're talking uh, uh, training level?
3: Sure. I mean, it's again basic walk, trot, canter. Um, no circles are smaller than twenty meters, and both the trot and canter. All the training level tests have you know walk, trot, canter. Obviously, both directions. Um, they removed the stretchy circle out of training one. And Thank I think the reason Lord. They- <laughs> <laughs> you're not Sorry. the only one that thinks that way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was to make the gap between intro and training a little friendlier. Um, people got a little, you know, felt that throwing the reins away if they weren't quite ready was a little daunting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, removing the stretchy circle kind of gives it a little bit of a warmer, fuzzier feel per se. Um, but the stretchy circle is a requirement in both the training two and training three. Um, and again, there are no real movements. It's just, you know, cantering a, a circle each direction, you know, um, training three has that loop, the loop, the gentle loop from the corner letter to the X and back. And that's just to demonstrate clear changes of bend with the horses laterally supple. Um, you know, you go across the diagonal again, the walk, um, is a medium walk and a free walk. And your halt, again, can be done through the walk. And I actually encourage my clients to take a couple steps of walk into and out of the halt. You're not, you know, you don't have to slam into it. It's not a requirement that you go trot halt and, you know, halt trot. Take that step or two of walk to settle the horse and let it relax into it. Because, again, you want to be thinking forward into a halt transition um, and then letting it take a walk step or two coming back into the trot So it's, it's a smoother performance, keep things fluid. Um, yeah. And again, it's just on the bit is not a requirement. It's level balance. It's accepting contact with a bit moving freely forward. Again, it's just the idea of not being constrained. Of course, if you want to get that 80%, you know, your, your horse is probably going to have to be on the bit and be, you know, a decent mover, a good mover. Um, But, yeah, it's not a requirement. But you have to be bending to the inside, you know, to get a good score. Your transitions have to look fluid. Um, Having a horse that is, you know, appropriate mover for dressage is always a good thing. As a judge, the first thing we look at is the quality of your horse. Our score starts with the quality of your horse. So if you have an eight mover you're going to start with a baseline eight. Now, if you do something fantastically, then your score can go up. Um, or if you do something not so fantastically, your score is going to go you know, down a bit. But if you're only starting with a five or a six mover, then it's harder to get you know, on those some of the movements that require a good mover, you know, a, a higher score. Um, but again, training level is just a place where, you know, horses and riders are just getting used to the idea um, and actually the gate score nowadays through all the, at least, you know, that I have here intro training and first level, the gate score is only one. So it's, it's only times one. It's not a double coefficient anymore. Um, so it's not as heavily weighted as it used to be. That's something else they changed in 2015. Um, but submission and impulsion are double coefficients. And then they, the rider's position and seat is also a collective mark and the correct and effective use of aids of the rider is also a collective. Those are each times one as well.
4: can you talk to us a little bit about about corners? Because there's no no real marks for corners, but I think they're very important to attest and to the overall flow, and and I think that the judges do take a look about how you're riding your corners.
0: Absolutely.
3: Um, So what we look at for corners, you know, don't come in and try to do a Grand Prix corner. You know, you don't try to go do that 90 degree turn because at training level, probably your horse isn't well enough balanced just yet. Or, you know, maybe the rider doesn't have a completely clear idea how to really balance a horse between the inside eight and the outside eight. So it actually going to throw you more off balance. So when we talk about corners there, they should be equal to the smallest size circle in your test. So what is the smallest size circle or half circle you do in training level? Well, it's actually the final turn down center line. It's 10 meters. So that final turn down center line, that half of a 10 meter arc circle to your center line is the smallest figure in a training level test. So your corners should be probably no deeper than a quarter of a 10-meter circle, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and something else that and speaking of corners, something else that I really see a lot of in all the levels are when people are making a circle either at A or at C, they forget that once you've started your circle, you do not go into your corners. That so many times people will go into that corner after they've started their test, or go into a corner or started their test, started their circle, and, or you know, whatever, you don't have corners on circles. So really look at the geometry of what a 20-meter circle is supposed to look like at A and at C and know, you know, where you're supposed to hit the rail. If you're doing a 20-meter circle, say at A, you know, do the math. You have to hit the rail 10 meters up the long side. So your distance from your corner to your first letter is 6 meters. So the distance between the first letter and the second letter is 12 meters. So we have to hit 10 meters. So you're going past the first letter and then another four meters. So a third of the way between the first letter and the second letter, the corner letter and the second letter, is where you want to hit the wall just briefly and then come off the wall again. So really think about the math when you're riding your test. You know, it's it's too easy to give away valuable points that are unnecessary if you just thought about, you know, how far up the rail should I hit and look to that place and ride to that place. So don't ride corners on circles. Is the yeah,
2: and but, but remember to ride size, your corner after, after yeah. your cor- like after your your circle is finished, then you should typically ride is or before you start it. Yeah. Those are the times to ride the corners. So I think you do have to think about that.
3: Yeah, and corners, you know, corners are really important because it sets up your long side. So if you're it's appropriate for you to ride a corner, um, remember your corner is a place to rebalance your horse. It's a place to set up for the next thing that's coming. So don't skirt the corner because you're in a hurry to get out of the the ring um, because you're nervous or whatever. Use the corner as a place to set up the next movement. Rebalance your horse to the long side. You know, get the horse's attention back on you. Establish your bend. You know, I I really like the corner especially coming from the medium walk back to um, the free walk back to the medium walk because I like to really use that corner, get nice and deep in that corner, because it adds extra strides and gives you a little bit more time uh, to set up for that transition from the medium walk back to your working trot. Um, but, yeah, corners are a very important place that people often fail to utilize, and it comes back to haunt them because they're not as prepared for what comes next in the test for
2: Right. So I, I have one question for, on the, the stretchy yes. circle. The stretchy uh, circle gets people all the time. Could you yes, talk to us a little does. bit about that stretchy circle? <laughs> Absolutely. We could talk <laughs> for that,
4: days on that stretchy circle. Yeah.
2: stretchy circle. The horrible so, Yes, we could have a whole segment on the stretchy circle, but but a brief what are you looking for in the stretchy circle?
3: Okay. Well, no problem. And actually, interestingly enough, the stretchy circle, when it first appears in training two, is not a double coefficient. It is a double coefficient in training three, but it's not a double coefficient in, in training two, which is nice so, so that, again, people get the idea without maybe getting crucified um, if they're not quite like, doing it right. So, you know, what we're looking for, again, people pull out your test, read your test, not the, the test in Winnie Widgets or whatever, but actually get the physical test because if you look at the test sheet, you get back right next to each movement or box they're the directive ideas and what, you know, the judges are looking for. So when you look at the stretchy circle, you know, a forward and downward stretch over the back into a light contact, maintaining balance and quality of trot, bend, shape and size of circle, and, and willing, calm transitions both into and out of the stretch. So a thing that I see all the time is people throwing their reins at their horse and praying that it works out okay. And that's really not the way that, you know, you should be doing it. Again, this is a place to go back into the idea of the purpose of the level of training level to confirm that the horse demonstrates correct basics. Now, a correct basic, you know, is that the horse is seeking the contact. And what we're looking for is that when you relax the reins, if you give it a little bit longer rein, the horse still seeks the hand. It stretches forward and downward looking for you. And we want you to keep a light contact. We want you to still be functional in the stretchy trot. You still should be bending it. You still should be half halting it. You should still be keeping communication going with your horse. All too often, like I said, I see people come to the stretchy circle. They throw the reins at it. They pray it works out. The horse heads up, looks to the outside, you know, sort of puts its head down and then it looks, does a wilderness alert and is looking off into other places in the show ring or the warm up for its friend, whatever. And, you know, it didn't have to be that way. So keep a light contact, play a bit, encourage the horse to stretch forward and downward, you know, make sure the tempo doesn't vary, it can't feed up, it can't slow down. Um, but like I said, the thing that I see the most of is just throwing the reins at it. Don't throw the reins at it. No. You know, feed it slowly no, out. So, and, that way. and also something about the stretchy circle I think people don't understand is that break it up into quadrants. So there are four quadrants of the stretchy circle. The first quadrant, the first quarter, is to develop the stretch. All right? So you have that first quarter of the stretchy circle to start to give it the reins, get it down into that nice stretch, um, and the second and third quadrants are to demonstrate the stretchy circle. So the second half of the circle, you, know, you you're, or the second and third quadrant, you're demonstrating the stretchy circle. And then the last quarter of the stretchy circle, you're reorganizing the horse. So you're starting to pick it up. By the time, you know, when you hit the center line, reapproaching, you know, um, the side letter, for instance, you should be shortening your reins and putting the horse back together. It's not wait till you get back to the letter to pick the horse up. It needs to be back to the letter, back together by the time you hit the letter. And that's something everybody seems to forget as well. So break up your circle into four quadrants and.
2: Utilize it as such. Oh, well, nice. that, that's I very helpful. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, that's really helpful for me, too, because that's a great way to think about that. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thank you Hang so much. Hang on. I have one more
4: question, Reese. I have one more question.
2: Oh, oh. Well, Phil has a Excuse question. Go, yes, Phil.
4: <laughs> Last, <word>, <laughs> Last question. It's a quick one. Um, why do we have coefficients? Talk to us a little bit about the coefficient of two, because it seems to always be in the walk you yes. know, all the way up to Grand Prix, I think.
3: Yep, it is. Um, well, for a couple of reasons. Well, so in different places, in different tests, they put the double coefficients because those are places that they want to stress importance. Now, the walk is a double coefficient. You know, some people will say it's the most important gate. Um, some people will say it's only because we don't see very much of it. So we have to wait it, you know, times two because we see a lot of trot. We see a lot of canter. Um, we don't see a lot of walk. And and I think it's a combination of both. You know, it's an extremely important game. And, you know, also, we don't see very much of it. So it's always heavily weighted in all the tests. Um, And then in all the other tests, you know, you have double coefficients in different places because they wanted to stress that area. Um, It's just to draw attention to places that the test riders and, you know, for the basics and purposes of the test that are important. So like in training one, um, you know, the first circle to the left is a double coefficient. The free walk is a double coefficient. And then the right track circle is a coefficient. So double coefficient. So they want people to focus on that. And then it changes up a little bit um, like for training three, you know, they want to stress a different area. Um, So it's the stretchy circle and it's the free walk in training three. So, you know, they just, it's to show importance. It's to make people pay attention. You know, they think yeah, that so if just, you know, I they just make to, it work. You know,
4: people to practice those things because yeah. they are double important.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are doubly important. So you know, and the same thing with um, behind you know the collective marks. You know, impulsion and submission are both double coefficients. Gates, rider's position, and correct and effective use of eight, those are only single coefficients. So again, they're stressing. The importance of impulsion and submission, Um, again, we don't like that word anymore, but impulsion and submission, um, because they're really important. The other stuff you can, you know, vary just a little bit. We hope it's all good. We want to give everybody eight, but if it's not, then we want to be able to explain to you why.
4: Awesome. Excellent. Thank you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, Jennifer, thank you so much for doing our first segment on um, our going through the tests and in intro and training level. How would our listeners find you online?
3: Uh, ah, yeah, well, I'm always on Facebook. I'm kind of addicted to that one. Uh, I'm Jennifer <laughs> R. Roth. Um, there are two Jennifer Roths. So I'm the Ohio one, the lowly R, small R. Um, but Jennifer R. Roth on Facebook and my um, barn my LLC is Milestone Farms also on Facebook so feel free to come and like my page awesome thanks so much Jennifer thank you so much guys it's been fun
0: Well, it's a hot one out there, and the heat wave has hit much of the United States and the rest of the world. Well, don't let dehydration and electrolyte imbalance sideline your horse. Summer Games Electrolytes are formulated to replace both the electrolytes and the trace minerals that are lost when your horse sweats. Its concentrated formula allows you to easily feed the correct amount to meet your horse's changing needs. This uh, electrolyte was developed for the equine athletes at the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta. We all know that it can get hot in Atlanta. For horses on the go, use Summer Games Electrolyte Plus, paste each dose contains a serving of Nalox equine and acid for double the protection against stress. And of course, you can find all of that at Kentucky Performance Products, they take out the confusion of choosing the right supplement. And you can find them at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com.
3: So, for this week's total saddlefit tip of the week, we are at first level in our segment that we are running. Philip, this is your idea and I think it is fantastic. Um, I really have already used a bunch of the tips that we use that we talked about last week. Uh, as a training level segment. So this week, we are talking again with Jennifer R. Roth on first level. And I hope you enjoy because again, I think these are this is a great series and, and I'm really enjoying it for myself and all my students. So uh, enjoy Jennifer's discussion.
2: Well, we are so excited to have Jennifer R. Roth, small R judge, uh, an FEI rider and trainer back on the show. Jennifer, welcome back.
3: Hey! Thanks, guys. Thank you for inviting me again. You did
4: such a great job last time. We just thought, let's do it again.
3: Oh, go on. No, thank you very <laughs> much. <ahead of laughs> class, and it's so fun to, to chat with you guys this evening. I'm excited. Well, so we are continuing our series on the judge's
2: perspective and what we're looking for at each level. And now we are, we're moving up the levels and we are at first level. So talk to us a little bit about what is the purpose
3: of first level? Sure, absolutely. All right. So the purpose of first level, and I'm taking this directly from the the test that everybody receives back after they ride. And I want to reiterate the idea that people need to, get their tests out and not only read the purpose of the level, but read the directive ideas next to each movement. Cause there are some wonderful pointers there um, that I think people oftentimes forget about. Um, so I'm taking this directly from a first level test. Uh, it's to confirm that the horse demonstrates correct basics. And in addition to the requirements of training level has developed the thrust to achieve improved balance and throughness and maintains a more consistent contact with the bit. So again, back in 2015, they revamped all the purposes of the level. And I think an important thing that they added um, to the whole purposes of the levels is the idea of demonstrating correct basics and the whole idea that we build from one level to the next, that they're stepping stone. And they actually stated here in the purpose that they have done well at training level. They've confirmed the requirements there. And now they're ready to move on to first level and have developed thrust. Now, when we talk about developing thrust, first level is the place we first see lengthening in both the trot and the canter. You know, you'll see lengthening both directions in all three of the first level tests. Um, and it's, you know, improved balance. So we're starting to talk about, you know, the horse being in better balance than maybe we saw at training or intro. And that maintains a more consistent contact with bits. That it's starting to be steadier in the bridle all the time. Um, You know, again, we were a little bit more flexible at intro and training level. We're starting to have you know a little bit higher standards coming first level. So that's going to be the purpose of first level. And what I also want to let everybody know, and and probably everybody's caught on to this, is they've thought about showing a first level test you know all trot work may be ridden rising or sitting now it used to be a requirement that you had to sit the trot at first level that is no longer the case hasn't been for a couple of years now um, and that has you know again, that was done more to save like the horse's backs and to encourage people to ride more forward and all of that other good stuff um, and it's made it a bit more of an inviting level to most people because they see that sitting trot as a daunting task if you have a big mover or if you're just kind of learning the whole sitting trot, again, rising, you can rise or any combination of rising or sitting um, throughout first level test unless it's a requirement to rise, which is, of course, the stretchy circle. Um, but I tell people, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, can I rise and can I sit? As long as it does not disrupt the performance, as long as you're not randomly throwing your horse off balance, you can rise and sit whenever you want. You can rise free stride, sit six rise 7, sit 2.5, as long as it's not altering the balance of the horse and it's tracking from the performance, you can do whatever you want.
4: Yeah, so, Just a quick question about that. Sure. Yeah, um, How important is it to be rising on the correct diagonal? How much do the judges look for that?
3: Um, interestingly enough, um, there's no rule that you have to be on the correct diagonal. The rule states that you have to change your posting diagonal when you change direction they kind of didn't put in the fact that you have to be on the correct diagonal, at least not the last time I checked that may have changed. Um, again, if it's not altering the balance of the horse, if you are posting on the correct diagonal and it's not making the horse unbalanced, we don't say a word about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's aesthetically more pleasing because it's more traditional to post, you know, on the outside diagonal. Um, but again, if it's not doing any harm, then, no harm, no foul.
4: And where do, you, where do you like to see the change of the posting diagonal on the, on the, the diagonal The posting line?
3: diagonal, like when you go across the diagonal or yeah. something like that? Um, what I always tell riders, you know, for referring, especially because it's his first level, the length and trot, I like to tell people either do it before you start the lengthening or do it after you're done. Don't do it in the middle or anywhere in before or, you know, before you I'm sorry. Don't do the change of diagonal while you're doing your lengthening because the chances of you throwing your horse off balance or disrupting, you know, the lengthening are pretty great if you randomly change your post diagonal in the middle. So I like to tell them, like I said, do it before you start or do it after. I personally do it after just because not always do I have a presence of mind to do it beforehand. Um, but there you go. When it comes to, if you're just trotting across the diagonal, um, anywhere is fine. I like to do it at X because it's, adds a degree of symmetry to it, but as long as it happens somewhere on the diagonal, it's all good.
2: Got it. And how about that lengthening? Let's talk a little bit about that. That's the first time that you actually see sort of a transition within the gate. So can yeah. you talk to us a little bit about what you're looking for with the lengthening?
3: Sure, absolutely. Um, so when we talk about the lengthening, you know, we want to see kind of a moderate change in the horse's land stride. We're going to be, when we first see it um, in first level test one, you know, we're looking for a moderate lengthening of frame and stride. You know, the, the trot has to remain of good quality and regular. You know, the tempo has to be consistent. The horse has to be straight. And we want to see the transitions before and after You know the lengthening, that they're clear. Um, so we don't want to see people hit the diagonal and gun their horses and they go rushing across there and at a faster speed. That kind of isn't really the purpose. Um, We do expect that the horse gains a length of frame, like it takes its neck and its nose out a little bit. I think everybody thinks that they have to keep the head, you know, back and in and all this other stuff. You know, that's actually going to deter the horse from wanting to cover more ground. So allowing the horse to stretch out just a little bit. Again, I don't want it going across there, you know, on a floppy rein, you know, with its nose poked out into the next county that's not the point either but allowing the horse to lengthen its frame just a little bit you know and we're looking for a little bit of a longer stride you know it doesn't have to be we're not going to hold you to the same expectation that we were an extended trot in third level but you know it's a place that we're starting to ask for like you said a change within gait and covering more ground without speeding up um, and maintaining that quality you know and not getting off balance in the middle, you know, just balanced and steady and covering more ground. Don't chase it. it. So it's a difference too. You yeah. Know, sometimes people go across and, and don't honestly do enough or try to do enough either. And So it's important that they remember to actually ask for a little bit of something too. And it is a place, you know, that horses are just learning how to do it. So we expect that it's not going to be perfect, but we definitely want to see some effort.
2: That makes total sense. And how about the next thing that you see in first level test two is the leg yield. It's
0: the first time you're going
2: to do that. that. The leg yield. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about what you're looking for with that?
3: Sure, absolutely. So I like to call the leg yield in first level test two a gentle meander because it starts (laughs) at L to the corner letter. So it's from L to M and then um, L to H. So it's, it's Three quarters of the long side, which to go 10 meters sideways, three quarters of the leg long side is not, there's not going to be a lot of crossover. It's more forward than it is sideways. And the whole purpose of the gentle meander at first level test two is, you know, to demonstrate control and alignment of the horse. You know, we don't, we want to see that the horse is controlled going forward and sideways in a straight way. Um, and that you have control of that shoulder, that the horse is aligned um, with reference to the long side, that you're remaining relatively parallel to the rail with the horse slightly positioned away from the direction of travel. And remember, leg yields don't have that. They have positioning. And oftentimes, I'll see somebody come down that center line for their gentle meander, and the head gets cranked around to the inside, and they shove the horse sideways. And inevitably, when you bend a horse in a leg yield, you lose control of that shoulder. And now we've got a, a crooked, gentle under instead of, you know, the whole point of a leg yield, which is a, a straightening and control exercise has gone out the window. So remember to keep your horses parallel to the rail, keep control of that outside shoulder, position it gently to the inside. And remember in this instance, in first two, it's probably more forwards and sideways. Um, the trot shouldn't change whatever, Quality trot you had in other places, you keep that same trot in your leg yield. It's not supposed to lose impulsion. You know, you're supposed to keep that same consistent trot um, from the beginning of the leg yield to the finish of the leg yield.
2: Got it. And how about first three? It's a little bit. It's a little bit more difficult than the gentle meander,
3: right? Uh, um...
0: It is. It's a
4: little back Sorry, and guys. forth. We got a little bit of back and forth yeah, action yeah, happening.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it goes from a gentle meander to a very dramatic sort of leg yielding. Um, I, I find this to be actually in first three. This, in addition to, um, I think, the circle 10 meter to halt, to circle 10 meter, yes. the leg yield sequence and the circle turn circle are the two most difficult things in first three that people yeah. seem to have the most trouble with. Um, we were talking about posting diagonals just a little bit earlier. So the leg yield in and out in this test, you know, oftentimes if I have a client that is going to rise the leg yield, I tell them to s- swap their posting diagonal. So the leg yield is from the left to the right. You're coming from the rail in to X in this uh, test, and then from X back out to the corner. So you come around, I tell them to go from, posting with the left shoulder to posting with the right shoulder because oftentimes once you started that leg yield if you're posting with what is now the outside shoulder in this leg yield it helps riders to use their inside their left leg yeah well it's, it's
4: actually a change of side. direction isn't it
3: yeah you know, somewhere it somewhere right.
4: after yeah. the corner you have to change the direction of travel Correct. because there yeah there has to be a slight left bending and moving from away from that New inside leg. You have Left to change leg. what the inside leg is, right? So that makes sense. Absolutely. With your posting, you have to be change posting with the Change your of posting.
3: Absolutely. But for some reason some people don't think about it that way. But those sure. of us that, you know, have to remind people of all these fun things when they're getting ready to go down to their line, they can't even remember their own name. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, this 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 will help you out, I promise. It's a lot to think about, this will help you out. So what you know, so again, we're looking for in that leg yield, in and out. You know, the alignment of the horse, you know, I will admit that that leg yield coming from the rail in, that's really hard. You know, the rail has a gravitational pull. It always sucks horses over. (laughs) So getting the horse to like break that gravitational pull and move away from the rail off that left leg is is a really hard thing to do. It often seems like the leg yield from X back to the rail is way easier for most people because the rail is drawing the horse over there anyway. Um, So again, it's about alignment. Again, leg yields don't have bend. They just have positioning. And we're looking for the quality of the trot, the consistent tempo, that it's not like turning into this crawl as you try to move it sideways, that you have that same good quality of trot that you had through the other parts of the test. You're demonstrating that here. And it knows it's balanced and it's flowing. But, yes, straightness is the thing that you see fall apart the most. Oftentimes, you know, people are trying to get to X and it's a not easy thing to do. And all of a sudden we're on a diagonal and we've left the haunches in the back forty. You know, so really practice, you know, if you can get into a regulation size ring. So it's not a surprise when you get to a show or, you know, if you have, you know, go out and ride in your field and mark out, you know, where the different letters are, even if it's not a a ring per se, but know what it feels like to go 10 meters sideways in that short of space because it's not a lot of time. And people don't realize that until they get to a show and all of a sudden they're in the test going, well, that was a lot harder. And I just got an insufficient score because I never even got close to X. Um, <laughs> so practice, practice yeah. beforehand.
4: Don't Geo- that's a you geometry thing again, it, so right? It's already
3: too late. Yeah. Geometry. Absolutely. Don't lose unnecessary points. You know, it's you know, you lose a half point or a point here or there. You know, that's the difference in a lot of times first place and, last place so make every point count don't leave points on the table when you don't have to
4: yeah I for, no I think, I think it's so true yeah yeah that is uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is it's also first three requirement is sort of the introduction to counter canter or the the loop in counter canter
0: yes
3: that brief that seems to blow people's in mind. The loop. Um yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does doesn't it yeah um, yeah the, they, i've seen again, it written in so many different of, ways coming off of training three where in the rod and training for you change the bend yeah uh, yeah
4: yeah people think it's the same thing
3: so in yeah exactly and it's not because especially if you're riding a horse that if you're lucky enough has more training and maybe a flying change if you go across <laughs> there and you pull on the <laughs> out, pull its head the other direction all of a sudden you've got a a lovely lead change that is definitely above the level and not what we're looking for. And we can't give you <laughs> extra credit points, unfortunately. Um, oh. So yeah, it's, the, yeah, I, it's sad. I know that was a lovely clean change, but eh, <laughs> not. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, it's the first introduction of counter canner and it's just a couple strides, you know, a little bit right before X at X and after X, but like counter canner, you know, you have to keep the bend towards the lead so if you're doing the loop to the right, you know, you want to keep that right bend all the time. And, again, it's just a few steps to counter-canner. It's the first introduction to it. You want to make sure you stay sitting into the bend. Maintain the degree of bend that you would, you know, normally for the lead. You know, don't go randomly cranking on the outside rein because even if your horse doesn't have a lead change, if you pull it back to the wall with your left rein, there's a good chance it's going to fall out of balance and either swap leads or break. Um so, yeah, really think about maintaining the bend. And it's, again, a, a, just a soft arc. People either try to ride it like a triangle, like it's a broken line, and then all of a sudden, you know, the degree of difficulty just got way harder. And, again, we're breaking or swapping or doing something we're not supposed to be doing and then we're not getting that eight that I want to give you. Um, but ease in, ease out, and make sure you get to X um, because that is the line that I am sitting on. I am sitting on the center line, and I will be able to tell if you don't touch the center line. So get there.
2: Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. Well, fantastic. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for going through first level on our journey up the levels with the judge. Uh, And if our listeners have any questions or extra questions for you, how would they find you online?
3: Uh, Find me on Facebook. Uh, That is usually the place that I prowl and stalk other people the most. Um, On Facebook, I am Jennifer R. Roth. There are other Jennifer Roths out there. Um, But I am Jennifer R. Roth on Facebook. I also have a a farm Facebook page. It's Milestone Farms. And you can like that page. That would be awesome. And I'm redoing my website. So hopefully by the next time I talk to you guys, I will have something useful there um, that I can send people to, but not quite yet.
2: Love it. Awesome. <laughs> well, Jennifer, thank you so much. This was fantastic. And both Phil and I learned stuff. We really appreciate it.
3: Perfect. Well, thank you guys again for having me. And I look forward to talking to
1: you in the future. This episode is sponsored in part by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth six-point saddle pad, and stability stirrup leathers. It has been the mission of Total Saddle Fit to bring equine product development into the 21st century by developing products that solve real problems in really effective fashion. Every product they sell is covered by their amazing 30-day, 100% money-back guarantee. You can go to totalsaddlefit.com to learn more and also take advantage of their free shipping. Totalsaddlefit.com. And that's a wrap, everybody. Tune in again soon for the next episode of the Dressage Radio Show. You can find it on all of your favorite podcatchers, iTunes, and on the Horse Radio Network app. To find it on the app, just go to your app store, search Horse Radio Network, and download it today. It's free and easy to use, available for Android and iPhone. For the less tech-savvy in your life, help them download it, too.